0: It's the Stinkin' Truth podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to Stinkin' Truth podcast, Mark Schlereth, alongside Mike, Evans. Scott, the Hub, producing the show uh, from his deathbed. He's sick today. I like to call him Petri Dish. Uh, Petri Dish producing the show.
1: Uh, Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Um, I'm. Uh, I'm worried about Sam Darnold though. <laughs> Apparently, he sees dead Ooh. people. He sees ghosts. Ooh.
0: I, you know what I think he was saying is that it's close to Halloween. And he was happening to look up in the stands and he saw some people dressed as ghosts, and therefore he saw some ghosts. It wasn't the New England Patriots defense that scared him into making a bunch of bad throws. It was people dressed up in the audience, in the uh, stands, think at that's the what stadium. It was? Yeah, that's where he's. Uh, I think that's where he. Boy, uh, that's
1: something you do not want as a young quarterback oh my to gosh. have, especially in a market like New York, uh, where the back page of the New York Post just said, boo. Boo, meaning like boo, but boo. Yeah, I mean that's ugh. that's not something I would want attached to to me. Is that I see I'm seeing ghosts.
0: I tell you what though, if you embrace that and you dress up as a ghost for Halloween, I'd have a lot of respect. You got to embrace you. it, right? Right, you have got to like Adam Gase. Like Adam Gase is quickly becoming the joke hire of the NFL, and, and Adam is a buddy of mine, right? But. He never, he never really embraced the whole wide-eyed thing from his press conference when his eyes were just like bugged out. Yeah. He never, like, uh, what are you talking about? I didn't notice anything. What? 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 You know, like, yeah, you should have just embraced that. Like, Sam Darnold's going to have to embrace the whole ghost thing, right? D- doesn't he? Don't you have to just say, hey, chalk it up to they had our number. They they blitzed the snot out of me.
1: I wasn't prepared. Whatever. Like I you know, you got to laugh it off. You have to. If you get all sensitive about it, intense about it, this thing could come to define you in a way you don't want. Now, okay, what we saw Monday night uh-huh. was was Sam Darnold. Th- this is the fine line you walk with with young quarterbacks. Is it, "Hey, you need to go through nights like that because it'll make you stronger in the long run?" Or do you run the risk of your career you know really being compromised right. because of the physical or mental beating that you take. Yeah, I
0: think you I think that's part of being a young player. You got to go through some of those nights. Um but again, you got to be the right young player. And what I mean by that is you can't let that define you. You've got to have a short, you know, a short memory. And you've got to have some toughness about you. You I'll go back to Troy Aikman in 1989. Troy and I were in the same draft class. Um, Him a little bit higher than me. He was uh, the, I think, number one overall player. And I was the number 263rd (laughs) player in that draft. I was a 10th rounder. You came along a little later. A little bit later. But, I mean, almost identical. Um, But the, the, the point being is Troy got the shit beat out of him his rookie year. To the point where there were some people that thought, what was the kid's name out of Miami was it Walsh Steve was it Steve Walsh? The yeah. Quarterback. He went to uh Dallas. Yeah, well, yeah he was no, his backup. There was a lot of people that yeah. thought he should be the yes. starter. Yes. There, within that organization it was split like 50-50 and Jimmy Johnson was like are you kidding me? No. Troy Aikman's the quarterback, right? And Troy goes on to have a Hall of Fame career and he was phenomenal. Um but the point is is had he had he been less tough? Had he mentally not been up to that challenge, that season would have crushed a mortal man. Would have crushed him. But he had that intestinal fortitude. He had that attitude of, F you guys. I'll show you what I'm made of. He had, I don't know what Sam Darnold has. And I don't know that anybody knows until they go through it, Mike. As a franchise, you don't know until you quote-unquote know. Until you've been through it. And so... We're gonna find a lot about Sam, a lot out about Sam Darnold. Like we'll find out exactly what he's made of. But you know those are those are tough situations that you go through as a young player, and every one of us that's ever played has gone through one of those games. Where we just got the shit kicked out of us, and you know how do you respond to it? Do you do you curl up in the corner and you know look for your binky, or do you come out and say, hey, "Man, I own it. I got my ass kicked." I'm not going
1: to let it happen again. I'm going to figure out a way. This Patriots defense made Darnold look silly. Are, are they that good? I mean, what they're doing right now is historic. Some of the numbers they're putting up. But, I mean, they're 7-0, and they've played a, a bunch of, you know, the Jets twice, uh, Dolphins, Redskins, right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Giants. They They really haven't exactly been tested, so just – yeah. How good is this defense? Yeah, well, really?
0: I mean, I get that all the time. Like they are playing against NFL players. Um and those NFL players happen to be they have a skill set. They're good players, you know. I mean, they may not play for good teams, but they're good players. I always look at that. Well, the record, the combined record of the teams they played against. Well, part of the reason the combined record is so bad is because they beat their ass. So that's part of the reason. Um yeah, it hasn't been the strongest competition. I'll get that. I, and I get that. And it probably hasn't been the strongest coaching staffs either. Washington's a mess. Miami's a mess. The Jets are a mess. Right? Buffalo's actually pretty good. But, you know, here's the deal, Mike. The New England Patriots beat you by the the fact that it's not about we've got more talent than you. It, it's about we're we execute better than you. We're more prepared than you. We will make you make the mistakes. We won't make them. I mean, think about how many times, and you heard a lot on the broadcast on Monday night, how many times they got into zero coverage situations, meaning no safety in the middle of the field. They're bringing more than you have to block, and we're blitzing. That's zero coverage, right, in a nutshell. We got more guys rushing than you have blocking, and we're going to play straight man across the board, and and we're going to beat you. And their ability to execute that situation that kind of situational football is what sets them apart week in week out to be able to do that and not make a mistake on the back end um and and to be able to turn the ball over four times you know in interceptions and one time on a fumble it just goes to show you how well they're coached and how well they play off one another so you know one of the one of the plays was was really interesting one of the plays um was they're bringing seven, the Jets have six, they've got their backs split out wide, and the cornerback is playing off coverage, basically reading through the running back to the quarterback and understanding, man, I, I can make a play here. If they come out this way, I can make a play because why? Well, because my blitzer is going to get there before this running back closes the cushion on me, right? And And I tell you, uh, you know, and they throw it to the underneath receiver and he just picks it. I think it was McCourty that picked it and just said, thank you. Um, but that's that's knowing, like, that's not just knowing your job. Like, your job is I got this back one-on-one. That's your job. But understanding the situation, it, that's what sets him apart, going, I know my job is to cover the, the, the running back one-on-one. Now, if he isn't keying through number two, he's looking at the number two receiver in the slot. To the quarterback. So he knows I've got number one. If all he does is go, I've got number one, you know what? He doesn't make that interception. But he's like, I'm keying number one. I've got number one. He's in my peripheral vision. But I'm keying through number two to see what route he's running. To the quarterback, because I know 1,000, 1,000, that ball's gone. He reads it. He sees it. Whoop! Jumps it. Picked off. Because why? Because I understand the complexity and the totality of what we're doing defensively here, not just my not just my responsibility, like most teams that that interception doesn't happen it's an incomplete pass because that corner never comes off his receiver to jump that route because he doesn't understand the complexity of what they're doing, the totality of what they're doing that's where New England is better than you, they're like Global Jim, we're better than you, and we
1: know it, but they I guess acknowledge that they weren't good enough at receiver they go out they get Muhammad Sanu I don't know a second round pick I granted it'll be at the end of the second round but still a second round pick for a guy who's what the third receiver on a, a bad Atlanta team
0: listen Mohamed Sanu is not a good football player he is a great football player I, I think of Mohamed Sanu as positionless He's just a football player. That dude, you remember when, when New England had um, Cordero Patterson a couple years ago? And, and there was a game, I remember a game where they lined him up a tailback, and he had, I mean, I don't know how many yards rushing he had, but he was just carrying his tailback. I bet you he had close to 100 yards rushing. Like, Muhammad Sanu, do you know he's got a lifetime passer rating, a perfect passer rating, 158.3? Muhammad Sanu has a lifetime pass rating of one. How many passes has he thrown? He's I think he's thrown
1: Efforty music. Oh no that's no, a different show.
0: Yeah. I think he's thrown twelve passes. I think he's thrown eleven touchdowns and twelve passes. And I'm talking about deep passes. <laughs> like the the guy is a complete football player, does the dirty work, catches the ball over the middle of the football field. I will tell you the other thing about him, Mike, that now they're ha now they have in New England. Two alpha dogs at receiver that set the tone. Like, you don't say that about receivers very often. But they've got Julian Edelman, who's a tone setter. You know, he's a shit talker out there. And they've got Muhammad Sanu, who's a tone setter. He tries to hurt. I mean, he literally tries to hurt people when he blocks them and stuff. He can motion in to the formation. He can block the edge. He can cut off. He could insert and block a linebacker. Um, he'll catch it over the middle of the football field deep. He's not afraid to get hit. Like, he's a complete football player. The New England Patriots just got a hell of a lot better with Muhammad Sanu.
1: Well, I just looked up, as you were talking, his career passing stats. Mm -hmm. Seven of eight for 233 yards, four touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 158.3. No. Look at you. Look at you, you once not.
0: I was I was a little off on 11 for 12, I think I said, but still.
1: 7 of 8. Hey, you notice something while we're on the subject of the Patriots? Uh-huh. And I know America just loves hearing more and more about the Patriots. Sure. But give the devil their due. So the Patriots undefeated, the mm-hmm. 49ers undefeated, and the Indianapolis Colts fresh off a win over Houston, showing no ill effects from losing Andrew Luck. Those three teams are a combined seventeen and two. Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett the quarterbacks—they were all together in New England. How crazy! How crazy is that? Brady was one. Jimmy G two.
0: Brissett three. And by the way, the year that Brady was suspended because of Deflategate, Gate—remember four-game suspension—Jimmy Garoppolo started two games or three games. And in the third game, he went out early, and Jacoby Brissette came in and then started a game, and Jacoby Brissette won that game. So, I mean, these are three guys that all played. What, what is – what's the backup quarterback now, Stidham? It was like a 4th Yeah, fourth Jared Stidham from Auburn, yeah. What's he worth, two first-rounders? Can you get two first-rounders for Stidham right <laughs> well, we now? Oh, we talk about Oda McVay. Do we get the Oda Brady thing going? Uh, hey, Ode... he's a backup under Brady. Right. backup under Brady, man, he must be legit. He learned something. I mean how good is that? How good are you if those two guys are out there orchestrating for NFL franchises? I think the Colts 4 and 2 and uh the Niners 6 and 0. Come on, really? I mean really? And how much of it is that you walk into that organization, Mike, and you're responsible to understand and know football, not just your position? But again, getting back to the kind of the totality of the game, understanding the game at that deeper level, like you watch Brady do it, you watch him prepare, you watch the way he goes through it. What did Jimmy Garoppolo tell me about about Brady? I'm in a meeting with Jimmy Garoppolo right after he got traded and he went to the Houston Texans. And so I said, What well, it was San Francisco. Oh uh, yes, excuse me. He was playing. I'm sorry. I was talking to him. He's with San Francisco, but he was playing the Houston oh, okay, Texans. Okay. okay? Yeah. I was doing a game in Houston, and so I asked him. I said, "Like, what did you learn, like, from Tom Brady?" And um, he said that playing quarterback is not a job; it is a lifestyle. That's what I learned. It has to become your life. Like you have to, you have to, you know, from eating to sleep, the 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 preparation, the the study, the it becomes what you do and it becomes kind of quote unquote who you are. It's the it's the preparation that it requires. Yeah, you know, it's funny because then I was talking last year, I was talking to Danny Amendola, who was a former receiver for the Patriots. And he says, he says, listen, Brady is such a freak show. So he goes, we'll finish a game. We'll be on the road. We'll finish a game. And like we get a win, right? Everybody's grabbing a couple of beers, getting on the bus, having their box lunch or whatever. So you get on the bus and Brady's already on there. And while everybody's kind of looking at the stats from the game and, you know, and like I said, you know, popping the top and having a cold one, Brady's watching that film, the film of next week's opponent on the bus as they're heading to the airport to fly home to New England before they start the week. He's already dissecting next week's opponent, the game they just had. I mean, it just is like it it's a never-ending just kind of preparation fest for that guy.
1: It, you know, we're, we're talking about Indy and San Francisco. And I, I find it curious, besides the irony that you have two Brady backups as as their quarterbacks, But the way that those teams have constructed themselves over the last couple years, and neither team went out and Mm -hmm. invested highly in a quarterback. Uh, They both have guys that were second- and third-round picks. But Indy, if you look at their offensive line, four-fifths of their offensive line, homegrown. Three first-round picks and a second-round pick. And you look at San Francisco and you look at their draft history over the last five years, and it's just defensive linemen, offensive linemen, front seven linebackers. I, you know, for for all the people who are out there listening right now and follow teams that are down the dumps right now, are the Colts and San Francisco the, maybe the easiest to point out blueprints to follow if you're rebuilding?
0: Yeah, I think you look at— Or do you go out right. and get—or
1: do you just go out— bent for election to go get the quarterback.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that happens a lot. I mean, look at at, at 2018, right? We always, we've dubbed them the Hall of Fame 5. You know, how's Baker Mayfield doing right now with 11 picks that he's thrown? How did Sam Darnold look the other night? Where is Josh Rosen? Is he in the witness relocation program? Now, Josh Allen is winning football games. But is Josh Allen winning them, or is that great defense winning them? Like, there's a lot of question marks about the – Those five quarterbacks, the one guy who is really winning games and carrying his football team is Lamar Jackson, who's a non-traditional quarterback. But and I want to get to that because I had a long conversation with John Harbaugh about this. But let me start here. There's things that go in and out of of like popularity, right? In and out of vogue. Um you know the way we throw the ball, the the you know the offense. It's the West Coast offense. It's this. It's that. It. Listen, something that will never go out of style in the NFL: your ability to line up and whip somebody's ass. If you can line up and whip somebody's ass physically, you're going to win a lot of games. And one of the things that has come kind of full circle is that aspect of football: control line of scrimmage, run the football, and you're going to win football games. And it's so interesting because last week I called the game between Seattle and between Baltimore. And I'm sitting with Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll goes out of his way to mention, listen, man, something really cool is going on in the league right now. People are getting back to football. They're like, hey, all this throwing the ball and all this stuff, you can't keep your quarterback healthy. You can't.'" He goes, you run the football, you're going to win a lot of games the complimentary nature of taking pressure off your defense, right? Keeping them fresh on the sideline, run the football, wearing the opponent's defense out. Like, he it, it goes, look at the games this year. The teams that control the line of scrimmage and can run the football are winning the majority of the games. And he says it's coming back to, like, the way it was. And Pete Carroll loves it. He wants to play football that way. And interestingly enough, I'm having a conversation with John Harbaugh. And John was so passionate and so passionate about his quarterback. And he goes, you know, you look at the bias that was out there towards Lamar Jackson. And he goes, you know, there are team people and and teams saying you got to play wide receiver if you want to play in the National Football League. Like a complete and total bias against the kid. And I'll be the first to admit, Mike, I'm I'm of that. I'm I'm in that group. Like I'm in that group that looks at it like well, I mean, can you really is that sustainable? Is that, you know, a running quarterback is it sustainable at this level? No, it's not sustainable. You got to have the, you know, 6 foot 5 guy that drops back and But John Harbaugh's point was this. He goes, "Listen, man." He goes, "One, the passing game, like there's not been a new route or route combination in in 15 years. There's nothing new. It's all the same. Everybody runs the same shit." And he said this. He goes, you're going to get hurt if you play in this league. That's just a fact. And he goes, drop back quarterbacks, pocket quarterbacks are getting hurt. How many guys have been are missing time right now with the Drew Brees is out and, and you know Andrew Luck can't stay healthy and this, that, and the other? And he said, my guy, yeah, he's a running quarterback, and yeah, it's risky and it's scary, but he goes, he's learned how to get down, he's learned how to get out of bounds, because he, he takes about two shots a game. Do I like it? No, I don't. But it's no more than any other quarterback takes. It's a pocket quarterback. And he was right. Russell Wilson took more hard hits than Lamar Jackson that game. And it was interesting because he goes, we are creating a running game that is so new, unique and it's so new that people have no idea how to defend it. And we don't have to become a new team every week. Every week we're just building on the things that we do and we're getting better and better, like angle blocks and down blocks and, and double teams. And so, That's all. That's what we do. And we're getting better and better at it. The other thing that's interesting, we didn't have this conversation, but this is just me interjecting. The way the league is constructed right now, you don't have the opportunity to defend it. You don't practice in pads. How the hell are you supposed to, you line up and you've got a Tailback and a tight end in the backfield. You motion receiver across the formation. Before he even gets to the offensive tackle, you snap the ball. He runs through the formation, becomes a lead blocker. The tight end from the opposite side becomes a lead blocker. And, oh, by the way, the tailback that you fake to becomes a lead blocker. And now all of a sudden, instead of a a defense that has a four-on-three matchup numbers count, You've got seven-on-four matchup. What are you going to do now? And our quarterback happens to be the most dynamic player in football. Pete Carroll told me, point blank, he goes, Lamar Jackson is better and more dynamic than Michael Vick was at his prime. Hmm. That's where they are right now. And they're just like, screw it, man. We're turning the NFL on its head. And the thing is, is, do you need the quarterback to have this 20 year window? We we everybody's looking at Brady and go or Breeze and going, Man, how are we gonna get that, right. you know, two decade window? Your window to win is, you know, normally from normal teams is if you get this four or five year window anyhow, they're like, screw it, we're gonna play. You we hope he lasts for ten years and, and you know, we hope that happens. But right now we're looking at it like we're we're turning the NFL on its ear and we're giving them something completely different. And, and we're creating this with this quarterback who is, you know, in our mind, exceptional. It's just a different type of exceptional. And he's good enough throwing the football with what they do to win a lot of football games. And to, to chase a championship. I, I, I tell you what, it's just, it like, if nothing else, Mike, it made me open my eyes and go, wow, you know what? That is kind of Revolutionary that is interesting they call it revolution they call it Revolution Baltimore. We're changing we're, we're and we're opening it up for guys who it
1: was never opened up for it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. it will be fascinating to watch now it, it is it's the the sustainability of it not only for years but just for a full season. yeah because you know all it takes is one hit on a quarterback that wants to run. Right, and it all ends. And, and well, it everybody, takes, then, it takes one hit on Nick Foles to break, to break his collarbone, True. or Aaron Rodgers to break his collarbone, or
0: or one helmet to the thumb of Drew Brees. Like, and I mean, they look at it, and, and you are like,
1: "All right, well, maybe, right. maybe, maybe it's not okay." Sustainability from that standpoint. How about this? At some point, you still have to be able to have a quarterback that can win from the pocket, and that's still a question mark with him. I yes, I will get I'll give you that. So let's let's like the, see what happens as it goes along. Right. Teams right. see You're, these things that they're doing with the run game, mm-hmm. maybe take some stuff away and just dare and challenge Lamar Jackson to beat you from the pocket. Now right. if he does that, Revolution Baltimore, I've bought in. Right. Till then I'm going to remain a little skeptical.
0: And I think one of the things you have to look at is you know, the way they throw the ball right now, when they throw it outside, they usually are, you know, throwing like quick slants on the outside. And they're running crossing routes. When they condense the formations and move the receivers and tight ends in close, it's it's more crossing routes, you know, and pick routes and those type of things. Um, so I'll, I'll give you some of that. Not a lot of combination routes. Not a lot of that stuff that goes on. Some, but not a lot. Um, and so we'll have to see. Like, mm-hmm. we'll have to see – um, if you get into a scenario where the running game just flat isn't working, and they got nine guys in the box and they've got it figured out, you know, and we'll
1: we'll see. But but the idea that we could be on the brink of of the league being revolutionized and 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 done so in a way that takes us into the next, you know, into the twenty twenties, I think that's fascinating to watch for sure.
0: It was really it's it's been a really cool. It's just it's a cool thing to see kind of a coach that's that's got some onions. And um, says, I don't give a damn what the rest of you guys are doing. We're going to do things differently here. I think that part is really cool. That, to me, is really cool. So, we'll see what happens. We got a great matchup. They got a bye week this week. And then next week, you know who they play? New England. The New England Patriots. We'll see. And I guarantee you this about John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. They they are not intimidated they are by They're not afraid.
1: You know what? Most coaches... Stare across the field at the hoodie, Mm -hmm. and they piss down their leg. That's right. The the only coaches I have seen over the years that were not and are not afraid of Bill Belichick, two. Two that come to mind, uh, John Harbaugh and Mike Shanahan. Yeah. The The, only two. They're not intimidated.
0: They're not running over to get an autograph before the game. Right, right. Right. Like Adam Gase did yesterday. (laughs) Hey, Bill. Hey, Mr. Belichick. Hi, Mr. Bill. I hope I'm I can a be like fan I up. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of your work. <laughs> I love football. All things come with football. <laughs> Get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not signing autographs right now. It's pregame, kid. <laughs> All right, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back with you, uh, I don't know when, maybe later on in the week.
1: Yeah, let's do it later in the week.
0: All right, sounds good.